Luke chapter number 2, verses number 42, the Bible declares, when he was 12 years old, somebody shout 12. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. 48 declares, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Look at Jesus, y'all. 12-year-old Jesus, by the way. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. 52 was crazy. And Jesus, somebody shout, he grew. Yes, fully, fully God, but by the same token, in order to be a perfect redeemer, he has to be fully man. So Jesus and his humanity, he has to grow. The Bible declares, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Father, now in Jesus' name, thank you again for this opportunity. Asking God for your chiefest of anointings to rest up on me, Lord God. Help me to minister this word with both truth and grace. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... We're in the middle of a series simply entitled Family Matters, and we're talking about family matters because how many know family matters to God? Can you say amen to that? And I want to highlight a special subject today dealing with the plight of single parenting. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm going to minister with all humility because the reality is I have never been a single parent um, but nevertheless, uh, through biblical examples of single parenting, as well as my own experience as a counselor helping countless women and men navigate through challenging times being a single parent, I'm, I'm, I'm accumulating some of this wisdom, collecting some of this wisdom to give to the masses. And although I'm speaking specifically to single parents, um, there are some principles that are applicable no matter what your role is in, in life. Can somebody say amen to that? So I want to start out with this foundational statement. If you're taking notes, um, jot this down. A single parent family is a family. I want to start right there. A single parent family is a family. It's not a half a family. It's not a broken family. It's not even a dysfunctional family. How are you going to call something dysfunctional that's working? I can't get a witness up in this place. A single, everybody shout, a single parent family is a family. Now watch where we're going with this. In the book of Luke, chapter number 2, verse number 52, something interesting is stated that's applicable for as a goal for any parent concerning their child. The Bible declares, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Those are four areas in his life that he grew. He grew in wisdom, which is intellectually. He grew in stature, which is physically. He grew in favor with God, spiritually in favor with man, which is socially. These are the four areas that we want our children to grow in. We want them to grow intellectually. We want them to be thinkers. We don't want children that just follow the crowd or go along just because it's popular or somebody's opinion, but we want babies that are thinkers. Somebody shout thinkers. 
Physically, we want them to reach the benchmarks at a particular age, the things that a child at this age is supposed to develop. We want them to reach those physical benchmarks. Spiritually, we want them to have their own relationship with the Lord because how many know God don't have grandchildren? God only has children. He doesn't have any, you either his child or you're not. Can you say amen to that? I want my babies to have a thirst-quenching relationship with Jesus Christ just as I do. And then finally, we want them to have this social connection. We want them to have life-giving relationships and have the ability to develop those communication skills that are relevant in any relationship. Can you say amen to that? So, so Luke 2.52 is the goal, but before we get to the goal, I want to back up to verses number 48 because something interesting happens in verse number 48, the Bible declares when his parents, somebody shout parents, saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father, somebody shout your father. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now what's powerful and interesting about Luke chapter number two, verses number 48, chat. This is the last place you will see Joseph in any narrative throughout the rest of the book of Luke. He won't even show up in Mark at all. When you get to John chapter number 19, verse number 26, at the end of Jesus' life, he is not even there. The scripture declares, John 19, 26, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. He's, he's hanging on the cross, by the way. And he says to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time, John, this disciple, took her, Mary, into his own home. So what this means is somewhere between the age of 12 and 33, Joseph dies. Say it plainly, Pastor. Somewhere between the age of 12 and 33, Mary becomes a single parent. And I believe that Mary did a pretty good job. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Can we just give a hand to all the single mothers and all the single fathers across the world? Because watch this, parenting is one of the hardest jobs I have ever done. And if you are a single parent, that pressure is always times a number. Can you say amen to that? So Mary, at some point in Jesus' life, became a single mother. And even if you would argue that it was later on in his life that Joseph dies in his 20s or maybe in his early 30s, maybe 30, 31, he had other siblings that the scripture records, other younger brothers, and, and at least at least one younger sister that Mary will have to be responsible for as a single mother. Yeah. But here's the thing about being a single parent. In my household, my wife and I, my wife and I, we have these goals for our children. We want them to go, grow intellectually. We want them to grow. We want them to grow physically, spiritually, as well as socially. If you happen to become a single parent, be it by uh, death, by divorce, by desertion, or some by, sometimes by decision, there, there are times when a mom says, "No." I'm not going to allow you to bring that level of abuse into my house to, to, to do this to my kids and to myself. So by decision, there are times that a mom or a dad becomes a single parent. So here, the goal doesn't diminish because you got to do it by yourself. I want to help. It's still your responsibility, Mary, 
to raise the Son of God to make sure that he is spiritually where he needs to be, socially where he needs to be, physically that he's hitting the benchmarks and intellectually he's grasping and understanding what he needs to be for his particular assignment. It, the, the, the goal doesn't diminish because I have to do it by myself. So I, I, there, there are two primary things that I want to say to the, the single parents because watch this, as a single parent, Jesus help me, my child is going to model my growth development. Let me say it like this. If you want your child to grow holistically, you must be a model of holistic growth. Okay? But because let's say, let's say in my household, there are times I'm tripping, but my wife, she takes up the slack. And then there are times she's tripping, but I take up the slack. Before, before the single parents, watch this, God, I want to help. Your recovery time has to be shorter when you fall. You, you can't afford to be out for weeks. You can't afford to be out for months. There's some things that you got to do on purpose for, for, for your recovery time to be shorter. It, it, put this on the screen. Your child will use your level of growth as a baseline to judge their developmental success. So in essence, they're going to handle problems the way you handle them. They're going to put in their body, unless there's some major intervention, they're going to put in their bodies what they're they going to eat like you ate. Their Thanksgiving, unless again, that's, unless there's some major intervention, they're going to do Thanksgiving like you do Thanksgiving. They're going to eat out the way you eat out. Spiritually, they're going to come to church the same amount of times a year you do. If you stay home when it's raining, they're going to stay home. Get out of there, Pastor McGee. <laughs> They're going to pray how you pray. They're going to study how you study. And if there is no pattern of spiritual growth and development, then they will be undeveloped. And watch this. If they do happen to go to church twice a week, twice a month, come on, somebody, they'll use your level of, of commitment as a baseline because they'll say, well, mama shoes, she only went once a month, and I'm doing better than her. I'm going twice Somebody shall holistic growth. So as a single parent, you want your children to grow holistically. You want them to grow in, in a healthy manner, spiritually and, and physically and socially, intellectually. But the primary tool for them growing holistically is you yourself being whole in these areas yourself. And I want to highlight two areas in particular that I have seen personally as I have counseled, again, countless both single men and women going through this process of raising the baby by yourself. Two, two areas in particular. Now, again, these, these are general across the board. They can affect anybody. But in particular, single parents, I see these two areas the most that stick their ugly heads up, that prevent mom, although she loves Pookie, come on, but that this, these one or two things prevent them from being the holistic model that they need to be to their babies. Here's number one. Um, learning to process grief well. Learning to process grief well. Watch this. Here's a, a, a um, quote from T.D. Jake's book. Um, he has help. It's called Help. I'm Raising My Children Alone. He says, what more can we give anyone than ourselves? The tragedy of divorce is that you have given your secrets away to someone who has inspected them and walked away. It is worth, worse than death because when a spouse dies, at least your secrets die too, and all is safe. 
what a violation, what a violation to have been naked and unashamed with someone who is now with someone else. If you've ever, and you've seen this in, in elementary, you've seen this in preschool where the kids, they'll take two sheets of paper and they will put it together with, with some Elmer's glue. Anybody remember Elmer's glue up in here? And after a few moments, they'll decide, well, I don't want to glue that no more, and they will rip those sheets of paper apart. The problem is because of the glue that's in the middle, there's never one sheet that sticks with the, that stays by itself. There's always a mess pulling it apart. And when you come together sexually with somebody, the, the, there is a soul tie. And whenever there is some type of divorce or rip, come on somebody, it is always a mess. It is always painful. Watch this. And the reason it's painful is because you are grieving. And oftentimes we only define grief as death. But in excess, grief, you grieve whenever there is any loss. Why do you grieve, Pastor? Because your heart is attached to something that your mind knows can no longer physically come together anymore. And I see too many single parents never really process their grief properly and they wind up not living a whole life and wind up raising a half a kid. I want to help somebody in this place. Not because they have to, but because they made some poor choices when it comes to processing grief. When I talk about processing grief well, I'm talking about walking through the necessary challenges of adjusting to life without the object of your affection. So let's, let's walk this out in Mary's life. Mary, Jesus is 12 years old, and sometimes between the ages of 12 years old and 33, Joseph is going to die. That means that Mary, for the rest of her life, she's going to have to raise Jesus as well as his siblings by themselves. Mary, if you're going to be the woman of God that God desires for you to be and raise a whole Jesus, because how many know we don't need a half a Savior? of the world. Can I get a witness in this play? We need, you're doing it by yourself, but just because you're doing it by yourself doesn't mean that you have to produce a half a saver. You still can produce a whole savior. Are y'all with me in this place? If you will process your grief well. So I want to talk about the four challenges of processing grief. When you have lost somebody, when there is a connection, and for some of you guys, it was by death. For others, it was by desertion. For some of you guys, it was by a choice. I know I can no longer live with your crazy self. Come on. You keep bringing craziness in this house that's spoiling my baby and that's ruining what we have. Although my soul is attached to you, wisdom says we must detach. Come on, somebody. And my soul is attached. My body can no longer, and I am aching, and I got to process this grief. And if I don't process the grief, I'm going to wind up messing up myself and my babies. So the challenge is accepting, number one, your new reality. I know I love him, but I got to leave him. Hmm. I know I love him, but he's chosen to leave me. And this is my new reality. I started thinking about this, Pop. What hinders people from accepting new reality? I believe in my life personally it has been pride. Pride manifests itself in verbiage like, I can't believe this. After all I've done, they're going to do this to me. Pride shows up because in essence pride is saying, I'm too good to go through something like this. When the Bible declares it rains on the just as well as the unjust. And, and, and in my situation, it's not that I've said that I've, I'm too good to go through this. I've said in my heart, come on somebody, that God wouldn't allow me to grow through something like this. I've been too faithful. I'm in here by myself. I've been too committed. 
I've given up too much for him for him to allow me to go through this. And the thing that I think that I'm too good to go through, that's what he allows me to go through. And he has to diminish my pride so I can accept the reality that I am here now. Somebody shout, this is just where I am. Now, now watch this. I'm not saying that this is where you're going to be for the rest of your life, but you've got to accept the fact. I want to help somebody. If you want to get out of this burning building to a safe place, you need to look on the map to find out where are you, where you're at right now. Because only if you decide, if, if you only, calm down, Greg. It's not until you see where you are now. That you won't be that you'll be able to navigate to the fire exit, to the fire extinguisher, to get to a safe place. Can y'all say amen to that? Somebody shout, this is where I am now. The first challenge is accept the new reality. The next challenge, number two, is embracing the pain, knowing that one day it will subside. Somebody shout, this hurts. This hurts. Challenge number two, I see a lot of people really fail at this particular challenge because most people don't like pain. And the thing that keeps, watch this, the thing that keeps you through the pain is the hope that you have in God that one day he's going to bring you to a better place. But you've got to go through the pain. And what most people wind up doing is grabbing things to temporarily anesthetize the pain. So you just got, you just went through a divorce and watch this next week. Now you're on a dating website. You don't even know what you're teaching yourself. Watch this. What, what you're teaching your babies and the patterns that you're developing in your own mind. The pattern is, if I'm hurt by a relationship, then seek a new relationship. Come on, somebody. To get over the old relationship. And you're, building a, you're developing a pattern because after a while, when that relationship goes sour, because how many know all relationships have problems? I don't care how perfect you think it is. Every relationship has problems. And if you develop these unhealthy patterns, every time there's an issue, I reach for a new. You teaching your children, new, you teaching your children this pattern, and you're also developing this unhealthy pattern. And you never come to a place of wholeness because you wouldn't embrace the pain of where you are. I'm telling you, there's something about embracing pain. Because if you really embrace pain, as you navigate through life, it's hard for you, how can I say this? Hmm. It's hard to be threatened when you've already been down low. So when jokers be talking about, well, I'm going to leave you, <laughs> you can say, well, I've been here before, baby. You go ahead and close the front door. God brought me through that, and he will bring me through this right here. And there are some of us are at the mercy of people because we hadn't gone through the process of embracing the pain of where we are right now. And we wind up using people as a crutch, but the devil is absolutely a lie. Mary, you're going to have to embrace the pain knowing that one day it will, somebody shout, it will subside. Here's the third challenge, making the essential adjustments to your new reality. There are some things that Joseph did that Mary is either, number one, she's going to have to start doing herself or she's going to have to implore, uh, employ family members, bring them within to help her to do things that Joseph did that she's unable to do, making the essential adjustments. And how many know it's hard to make adjustments while you're complaining? Let me tell you, the hardest thing in the world to do when it comes to cleaning the house, cleaning and fussing at the same time, doggone kids. You sweeping the floor. I can't believe them. They just, just. (laughs) 
it's hard to make adjustments and complain at the same time. Once you accept your reality that this is where I am, you're able to move forward quickly and say, okay, this is, what, this is where I am, so this is what I need to do. Can you say amen to that? Here's number four. Choosing how to constructively remember the past. Single parents, this is challenging, I'm telling you, because how are you going to speak to your children about your ex-spouse in an honorable way? Even after what he did. Because, watch this, the scripture declares, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your perfect father and your flawless mother. It says honor, and I've seen this in countless situations where it's a divorce, it's a split up, there's some type of breakup. And watch this, whenever there's a divorce, some type of split up, usually there's, there's something within the child that winds up acting out or rebelling. That's, that's common, there's natural. But I've, I've seen a few cases where children go to an extreme level of rebellion, and in every one of those cases, the reason is, is because, mama, you dishonor your, their father in front of them. So how you expect them to respect you as an authority figure if you don't respect him? How you going to tell that boy all the craziness about his daddy? How you going to tell that girl all the craziness about her mama and then expect them to still respect you? The devil is absolutely a lie. You, the challenge is choosing how to construct. Somebody shout constructively. Constructively remember the past and tell that, communicate that to, to your babies. I'm going to get out of that. Here's the second thing that I want to deal with today. So I, I see this. I see a split up. I see a breakup. Um, Sometimes mom takes kids. I've seen, I've seen uh, single dads. And when they go through the grieving process well, it puts them in a posture where they're able to move on and demonstrate a picture of wholeness to their children. Here is the second area that I see a lot of single parents really tripping and it messes with them because how many know if you're not emotionally whole, it will affect your physical body, it will affect your relationship with God. Come on, somebody. And it will reflect it will affect relationships with other people. Are y'all with me? The second area is choosing to forgive yourself. Not just forgiving others, but making a choice to forgive yourself. Now, now let's let's read through this story, our foundational text. Luke chapter number two, verse number forty two. Is anybody getting anything? I pray this is blessing you. Look at this. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 42. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching? Look at Jesus now. Look at, look at 12-year-old Jesus. Why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be about my father, in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, look, look at 51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I just need y'all to look across the aisle at another sister and just tell that sister, you ain't Mary. I just wonder if I can get one witness in here. How many know 
baby Jesus would have got a whooping that day. Come on, I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I know you're the son of God, but you're the son of man right now. Come, bring the son of man but in here because you finna get it up to the, What you mean you don't left here talking about you got to be about your father's? Son of man would have got it that day. But the scripture declares, Mary took an humble approach and she treasured all these things in her heart. Um, many of us wouldn't have done that. And I'm going to be honest. I'm one of them. <laughs> Here's the reality. If you really love your kids, there will be times when you will be lovingly wrong. Mother Mary did what was right. Many of us, including myself, I probably would have made the wrong decision. It's interesting, our kids, for whatever reason, they just love to talk about all the whoopings that they shouldn't have got. They just love talking about that. Remember that, Mama? I ain't even do that. That was charity. <laughs> and my wife always comes back and says that, well, for all the whoopings that you should have gotten but didn't, they balanced out pretty well. <laughs> Can a parent say amen up in here? If you love your, your, your child, there'll be times when you, be, you will be lovingly wrong. And you will need to learn how to forgive yourself. And, and I want to I help you with that. As there, there are a few scriptures that I quote, and then there are some affirmations that um, I say to this very day that help. Greg McGee get to the place where I can, because how many know it's possible for God to love you, but for you not to like your own self? And although, that, although there is power in God's love towards you, the power will be limited in expression through you if you don't love you. Because the Bible declares you should love people as you love yourself. And if you don't really love yourself, it's going to be hard for you to express love to other folk when you don't like you. Are y'all with me in this place? Somebody shout, I need to forgive myself. So if you're a single parent, I'm telling you right now, I already know there are mistakes that you have made along the way. There are mistakes, and, and, and mistakes equate to weight. It equates to guilt. It equates to shame. And the way you get rid of guilt, shame, is not trying to work off the debt. No, you need to go to the foot of the cross and receive forgiveness. And the same forgiveness that you give from God, you need to give it to yourself like you give it to other people. Can you say amen to that? First John chapter number 1, verses number 9, the Bible declares, If we confess our sins, he is what, y'all? God. Somebody shout, God is faithful. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How is it that God is God enough to forgive you, but you woman enough to hold yourself? God is God enough to forgive you, but you man enough to hold your own debt in your own hands. The devil is absolutely a liar. Psalms 103.12 declares, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Verse number 14, I love this. For he knows, God knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So I want to show you just, just real quickly. These are, 
Uh, Pop, these are personal affirmations for me. The, this is something that I've developed for myself because whenever you're dealing with a lot of people, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Just point blank. You're dealing with people, you're talking with people, it's mistakes you're going to make. So you have to go to God and you've got to ask him to forgive you. But then there comes a point that you have to release yourself from the guilt and from the shame of the mistakes you've made. So these are personal affirmations. I'm letting y'all into my, into my personal space. Watch it. This, this, this is on my vision boards um, in my offices and in, in my, my workout area. The top one says, Dr. Greg S. McGee, Sr., and, and yeah, doctor, because it's my vision board. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Watch this. God chooses you. God loves you. God forgives you, knows you, invested in you. The second part of the vision board says, Dr. Greg S. McGee Sr., I like you. I love you. I forgive you. I trust you. I believe in you. And these are affirmations that many times that I've literally sat in my office and I've looked at for 30 or 45 minutes and said them over and over and over again, God loves you and I love you too. God made an investment in you and I believe in that investment. God has given you responsibility and Greg, I trust you. God has forgiven you and I want you to know, Greg, I forgive you. Everybody shout, I forgive you. Say your name. Say, Greg, I forgive you. Say your name, Greg, I forgive you. Say your name. You need to hear your own self say it. You know why? You know why? Say it one more time. Say it again. Come on, those who are online, say it. Say it. Type it in the chat. Type it in the chat. If you're watching, type it in the chat. Put your name and say, I forgive you. You know why you need to say it? Because the Bible declares faith comes by what, y'all? And the more you say it, the more you believe it. And it's amazing what it has done for my personal self-esteem and my personal self uh, uh, worth to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, Greg, I remember what you did and what you said, but God forgives you and I forgive you too. God saw it and you saw it, but God still loves you. And so I choose to love you as well. At the top, I put, I like you because how many know there's, there are times when you can love somebody, but not like them. Come on. And not only have I chosen to love myself, I've chosen to like myself with all of my insecurities, with all my flaws, I still like you because there is absolutely nobody in the entire world that's as good as being Greg McGee as me. Can somebody say amen to that? So I'm coming to a close, and I just want to highlight um, a few single parents in the Bible and their tenacity and their strength in doing what they had to do to bring up their sons, to bring up their daughters in the Lord. The first person that I want to look at is Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 3, and he says, I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you, Paul says to Timothy. So that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, watch this, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Why did he highlight his grandmother and his mother? 
Timothy's father wasn't dead. He highlighted this because Timothy's father wasn't a believer. And if dad didn't believe in Jesus, it was the sole responsibility of Eunice to make sure that Timothy grows spiritually. And there are some of you all, you might not be a single parent, but in a particular area of growth, you might be the single parent that ensures that your child grows because the other parent be like, you ain't got to go to school if you don't want to. Just do whatever you want to do. No, no, no. I'm going to make sure my baby grows intellectually. Come on, somebody. I'm going to make sure that they grow physically and put in their body what they need. I'm going to make sure that they grow spirit. And she did such a fantastic job, chat. The Apostle Paul is the man that wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of the theology that we have today, we would not have had not God given him the revelations that he gave him. And with this great mantle of the Apostle Paul, he chooses, come on somebody, a boy that was spiritually raised by his mama alone to be his successor. Eunice, I salute you today. The lowest is, I salute you today, that have made the determination whether your daddy invests in your life spiritually or not. You come in the church today. Your mama might stay home. Your daddy might stay home. But you, you come in the church. Genesis chapter number 35. This is so crazy. Verse number 16. The Bible declares, then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephrath. Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. Look at this, y'all. As she breathed her last for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. Benoni means son of my sorrow. But his father named him Benjamin. That means son of my right hand. Your mother is unable to help you now. And not only is she unable to help you, with her dying breath, she, kid, she cursed you. But somebody shout, the devil is a liar. Jacob rises up as a single father and says, Mama might not be able to might not be able to be here, but I'm going to stand in the gap and be the man of God, be the father that I'm supposed to be. And Benjamin becomes one of the tribe, one of the 12 tribes of Israel because his father stepped up when mama couldn't. And I'm going to raise you and you will not be a son of sorrow, but you're going to be a son of strength. Genesis chapter number 21, verses number 14. The Bible declares, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. You know what Abraham is giving her? You know what he's giving her? Abraham is giving Hagar her last child support check. I can't get no witness up in here. This the last thing he going to give to this the last check I'm writing you right now. And the last check wasn't enough. And there are some of you mamas, there are some of you daddies that are struggling right now because mama won't do right, because daddy won't do right. Come on, somebody. There's jokers that's, do that's dodging jobs so they won't have to pay child support. Abraham has a fight with Sarah, and Sarah say, put that bondwoman out and her son. Come on. Abraham said, I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to write you this little check. Make it do what it do. Verse number 15 declares, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. She said, it's not, it's not enough. I don't have a... She, 
she's confessing, I don't have enough to live off of. Me and this child is going to die. There's some single parents right now in some desperate situations, but I got good news for you. I got hope for you today in this text. The meager income that you're receiving right now, the, the no support that you're receiving. Matter of fact, some of you all ain't receiving. Instead of receiving report, uh, support, you only receiving grief, more headache, more problems. And she's in a position right now, she don't have enough, and she's feeling hopeless, wanting to give up and quit. She says, I'm just going to put him on a bushel. I don't want to see my baby die in my sights. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying. That's so powerful. She was sobbing, but God says, I see you, but I hear him. God says to some mother today, I see your parent, I see your pain, but I hear your baby. I hear the stuff that you can't hear. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand. Don't give up on your baby. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it feels like you cannot do it, but somebody shout, the devil is a liar. God says, lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and I believe that's what God is giving her to do for some mama, some daddy right now, somebody that's been drowning in pain. There are resources around you that you cannot see. There are opportunities around you that you cannot currently see now. But the Bible declares, somebody shout, God, open my eyes. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water. Mm. The child support check was only enough water. She ran out of that water. But God says, I have another supply. Don't worry about that. Don't hate him no more. Don't hold the ill feelings in your heart against them no more. God, I want to help somebody because I'm giving you a new well. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. I'm, I want to pause there because I, I feel good in my spirit. His daddy wasn't around, but God says, I got him. Abraham decided not to show up, but God says, I got him. God was with the boys. He grew up. He lived in the desert and became an, an archer. For some single mom, for some single dad today, I'm just sent today to let you know that God got you. The devil wants you to believe you in this thing by yourself, but the devil is a liar. If God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you, come on somebody, than he that's in the world. The enemy wants you to think that you're drowning, but God says, no, I want to open your eyes so you can see what I've already provided. Can somebody say amen to that? So Minister Charlotte Sanders, ma'am, I've known you for at least 20-something years, and, and I've, I've seen you with your son young man of God now but your son your struggles tenacity that you've had to lean on God to make sure that your child had to make sure I've seen that 
I've seen it even in my wife. When I met my daughter, met my wife, Aisha, she was four years old. And that, that whole year of, of watching her as we were just getting to know one another, seeing the sacrifices that she made and how God kept providing for her to meet the needs of her baby girl when it seemed like all resources was dried up. God can do it. I want you to take just a moment, Minister Charlotte, and just minister and pray for those single parents now, for those single moms, for those single dads that feel hopeless right now, that feel discouraged. I want you to speak life into them now. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Just begin to stand on your feet. If you are a single mom in this house today, if you are a single dad, just stand to your feet. And I ask that every person in this sanctuary will go into prayer for those who are standing right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just want to glorify you today, God. Ha! We want to honor you today for this word, oh God, because we know, Lord God, there are many that are feeling hopeless. They want to give up. They want to throw in the towel. But God, I say not so on this day in the name of Jesus. Satan, I rebuke you. And they will not feel guilty. They will not feel shame. They will not feel defeated because you gave them the power to stand in the midst of their difficulties. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh God, I thank you for this word, oh God. Hallelujah. I feel it in my soul because I know, God, it was you that brought me through. It brought us through. And I know God is going to bring every single pair, every single daughter, every single son. You're going to raise them up, God, and they're going to be able to walk this thing out. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Not of their own strength, but it's going to come from the strength of you. Father, I thank you, Lord God that they are not hopeless, Lord God, that you have given them hope in the midst of their hopelessness, oh God. You've given them the joy of their salvation. You've given them strength when they're feeling weak, oh God. Hallelujah. I know, Lord God, that you are Jehovah Jireh. You have been a provider and you will continue to be the provider for them, oh God, that they will have no lack, oh God, in their household, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Let them know, Lord God, yes, it may be their new reality. But let them know they can embrace the pain today, oh God. And it will subside. It won't always be like this. Oh, glory to God. It won't always be like this. Hey, God, it won't always be like this. Hey, God, I thank you, Lord. And don't let them complain, Lord God. Don't let them complain in the midst. Just give God glory in the midst of the struggle. Let them give you glory in the midst of the pain. Let them give you glory in the midst of their hopelessness, oh God. Hallelujah. And Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that they would see you for who you are. And Lord, I pray for salvation for every woman, every man that don't know you. Because they can't leave their family without you. It takes you and you alone to do it, God. I thank you, Lord God, that you are right there beside them. But, Lord, let them yield themselves to you on this day, oh God. Lord, we love you and we honor you for the man of God. We thank you, Pastor Greg, for God using you mightily to share this word today. I just want to honor you with the fruit of my lips because, God, I know you are awesome, God. 
And I thank you for these single parents, Lord God, who are in this sanctuary, who are listening, Facebook Live, YouTube. I pray for them, Lord God, that they will know that they can depend on you. Even when the world is going in chaos, God, they can look to the hills from which cometh their help because their help comes from you. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. And you deserve the praise. Hallelujah. For it's in Jesus' mighty and matchless name I do pray. And it is so and it is done. 